Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, posting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, very special guest, my guy, Choo Choo. What up, Choo Choo? How are you? I'm good, boss. Thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Choo Choo D, on you. Yes, sir. The government. Bro, you intro- when I met you years ago, you introduced yourself as Choo Choo. Yep. So when did you start being called Choo Choo? So, I mean, so that's a that's a nickname from childhood. Um, government official name is, you know, Chukudi Onyuku. Um, my first name means there's God, and my last name means chief. Um um, Igbo, a lot of Igbo people have that chuku in their names, and that means God. Um, but even from from when I was young, my, everyone called me Chuchu. My my dad called me Chuchu. My mom called me Chuchu. That was, you know, and that wasn't because, like in the United States, people call me Chuchu because my name is hard to say for them. Right. right. But even in Nigeria, people always call me Chuchu. Um, and I would say I all I mean I always went by Chuchu until maybe when I started being in the hospital more um, and people for me and for like, you know, in Nigeria and Nigerian culture, it wasn't like associated with like the choo-choo train, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So people hear and say, Oh, like that's kind of like a fun, like childhood nickname, but I don't know if that's like something you should introduce yourself mm-hmm. to uh, yeah. people as in the hospital. Cause they look at it more of like a choo-choo train. Yeah. Um, so I think that's when I started, switching it um sometimes now mainly i just introduce myself as chew <laughs> so not really like a mm, big, big switch yeah. um yeah but usually what happens is the first time i introduce introduce myself to everyone i, I say my full name now in the hospital i say chukudi um usually then I, at some point in the conversation it comes up that I'll just, i just go by chew um, it's a beautiful name man chukudi i appreciate yeah, it that's actually really dope now 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 um, did anyone did anyone call you that name? Like, if you if you were about to get in trouble, would they would they say your full name? Yes and no. No, I mean I, my mom. I don't think really ever said my full name. Sometimes my dad would still say Chukudi, but my mom, even if I'm in trouble, is Choo Choo. Like you know, yeah. come upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I'm getting ahead of myself, man. I'm getting ahead of myself because you dropped some some little hints there about the hospital. We're gonna get to that, but yeah. you know, as a former athlete. The importance of warming up and stretching, right? Right, right, right. Couple warm up questions. So here we yeah. go. If you could only listen to one musical artist for thirty days straight, their entire catalog, who are you selecting? That's a that's a hard question and an easy question because it's probably a couple people that you could listen to. There, they one of they have to have a body of work, so you know that that narrows the playing field. But then I guess once you're inside of that, I. The first person I think of is Jay-Z because I think he probably has the most like iconic songs that I love and I can like sing along to. And I just, you know, like those songs come on, you know, every word. Um, but I don't think you can go without mentioning like 
a Lil Wayne or a Drake. I think they both have a body of work that you you could listen to them for probably two two to three months and still find new things that you never heard before. So I, I think I, I would probably say Jay Z just because I could probably put one of his songs on repeat for a week and be fine. So <laughs> the, so, the, yeah. so when you think of Jay and his catalog, give me one or two songs that come to mind. I mean, Forever Young is the first one. Mm, wow. Okay. That, that that song is probably, you know, I I've, I listen to that song. I think in every big period of my life, it just kind of puts everything in the in the like perspective. Mm. You know, thinking like because you're it, it's a it's a song of like right like staying forever young, like you're not really realizing like how far you made it, and just like realizing that life is like kind of flying by. Um, so I think that that song has a lot of perspective. Um, but it's also very real. It's, you know, everything he puts out. Um, and the other one is um, Numb Encore with Linkin Park, the remix. I mm. think that that's that was, I mean, when he dropped it, I remember pretty vividly he said he was going to retire. And so it was like a, it was a big song at the time. And I was like, oh, this might be the last, the last one. Um, and also, I think that song had a lot of like, you know, I've come, I've done this, you know, this is like my mark that I've left. And I'm you know, like just kind of putting my greatness on something. So I think those two songs are like really big ones that I resonate with. Yeah. Um, right now I go put on a beat for a week, man. Gotta get an encore. Do you want more? <laughs> roll with the Brooklyn boy. Let's go for so for one for one last time. I need you to roll. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you passed the test. You passed the test. <laughs> so if you had to be on a reality show, dog, you had to be on a reality show. It could be currently on or no longer on air. Which one are you choosing? Meredith Madison? I'd <laughs> <laughs> be on that one. Um, if I had to be on a reality TV show, I don't know reality. I, when I, whenever I think of reality TV, all I think of is like the love show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You know, like the last one I watched was like Love is Blind last year. But I would I couldn't be on that. It seems too stressful. But if I had to be on a reality TV, probably like a Survivor. I think one of the, one of the shows that has a challenge built into it, just because I mean it seems like what they do is pretty ridiculous. But I think probably like most student athletes like look at challenges and they're like, well, it might be hard, but <laughs> right, right, right. So I think probably something like that where it's you know just built on like making it through to the end and there's a prize. I think I would do well on something like that. I dig that. Last last one more question. What is your favorite TV show of all time? If it came on. In the next hour, you will sit down and watch the episode. That's between, this is going to be broad, unfortunately, but that's between SpongeBob and The Chappelle Show. Wow. I guess both, both are comedies, so you can kind of okay. see it. But yeah, SpongeBob, I mean, I think that's a classic. It's like timeless comedy, honestly. Chappelle Show, I mean, anyone that's watched it understands. Like, it's yeah. iconic. Yeah. I can dig it. I can dig it. So you got into it a little bit, but I'm going to throw it to you. Take it away a little bit. Hometown, yeah. early beginnings, introduction to sports, family. Right. So I initially was born in Nigeria. I lived there probably two or three years. I left when I was very young. Um, then my family moved to Jamaica. We lived there for about six years um, and then moved to the United States. When we moved to the United States, I lived in Georgia. Um, so like Cobb County, Georgia, like the suburbs of, of like Metro Atlanta. Um did did everything there, um, you know, elementary school through high school. And then my, you know, senior year, you know, graduated, went to University of Pittsburgh for so, uh, undergrad. So you passed, I'm going to slow you down, slow, slow you down. So where were you born in Nigeria? 
Um, so I'm I'm Evo, but uh, so my family's from Umwaha. Um, there's no diff different regions within like the 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 country. Uh, my family's from Umwaha. And so when you moved to the states, you were what about six or seven? When I moved to the states, finally, I think it was eight. I think okay. I, it was like two, three in United in in Nigeria, and then uh like six, I think in Jamaica about that. And how was that transition for you? From Jamaica to the States? I mean, for me, I so what, I was a kid, so I think I was just kind of, a, excuse me, along for the ride. Um, I think that from what my parents tell me, I was very shy as a kid. And so during, trans, during these transition periods, I would kind of just be by myself and kind of like, you know, isolate myself from others and you know, just wait until, you know, months and months had passed before I started really interacting and getting to know the area. Um, I think I still kind of do a format of that now where if I walk into a new room, I kind of assess before I make any interactions. But uh, my mom told me when we initially got to Jamaica and then my dad, because my dad would kind of go back and forth uh, between the states. Um, like it was, it took me a while before I kind of got accustomed to it. Um, and she, she actually told me I stopped speaking for a while. She said I went like dumb for <laughs> months before I would even speak to anyone. Um, and then kind of the same thing when we came to the States, I think it took me some time to adjust. I personally don't remember it, but I was told this. Um, but I think after a while, it just kind of becomes second nature. And especially as a kid, you're just like outside having fun. Um, in terms of soccer, I feel like I couldn't give anyone a start date uh, when I played soccer. It's just like always been part of my life. Always been something that I've played. Um, I, you know, definitely from the moment we came to the States, I, it's, it's been a, a part of all of my memories, you know, signing up for the soccer team, signing up for the leagues and just like every Saturday going out to games, you know, practicing all the time. But, you know, the, the, those Saturday morning games and those like weekend long tournaments. So I would say transition periods were, you know, it took me some time to adjust, but I think soccer's definitely been like something continuous throughout my entire life. And so... Think about your early childhood, Cobb County, right outside of Atlanta. What other yeah. interests did you have outside of soccer? Really, I would say the main. It was it was very simple. <laughs> it was school and it was sports, um, and it was in terms of like how the household was. Uh, you know, I think many people that go on to play college athletics, you kind. Of, I don't know if you can say you prioritize sports, but I, I would say my family was one where. You know, both me, my brother, and my sister were all Division One college athletes. But this, like sports were always something that was you do for fun, you do because you're good at it and you love doing it. But it's not something that's a, a priority in terms of like you know what you're looking forward to in life. Um, and so I think you know those were the two main things. Outside of that, I used to draw a lot. Um, I I played the trumpet. I played the piano. Okay. Um, <laughs> so there's some right. good. In there. Let's uh, let's let's stay there. Let's stay there because I'm a music guy. And so, uh, did you learn how to read music? Oh yeah, I did. I, yeah, I did. Initially, I started playing the piano in church, but I wasn't really good at just like following along. And so then I learned how I in in school I learned how to play the trumpet just purely by reading music. Um, and then the piano was something I tried to pick up uh, more naturally. But I think when I started with a bass of of sheet music, it was hard to transition to like playing by ear. Yeah. Um, so I, I never got great at that, but with sheet music, I was decent. I can dig it. So I, uh, I, I started on the piano, then I'm playing yeah. alto saxophone. So I still dabble with that from time to time. And yeah. uh, so, so, so are you, uh, so what's others, what genre of music do you like? Do you like jazz? 
Did we think about? I, I, I love all music. Like, I think everyone says that, and I think they're all lying. I think I, I truly love all music. Like, I go on to Spotify, and I just, I play, like, every album. Like, I just listen, whether, no matter what, the, if it's country, if it's rock, if it's jazz, if it's, like, of course, like, rap and hip-hop, I love, but, like, I think and if, if there's a new album, and I think it, like, for any reason, whether it's album art, whether it's the a feature that I heard, whether it's, you know, a title of a song that's catchy, if I like one song, if I like really one thing about it, I always take the time to explore like the entire album so i think i have a lot of you know different like music tastes like house music pop music edm like i don't know all of it is pretty much very very diverse playlists i think uh i dig it so. now do you play you still play either one of those instruments i do not okay I would not be happy with that piano lessons, <laughs> but i do not and so you have two siblings so where do you fall oldest middle youngest I'm middle child i'm the middle child um my I was the youngest for a while. My sister is now 20 years old, so I'm I'm 29. My brother is like three years older than me. Uh, but I'm the middle child. So I think I was the youngest and then transitioned more to a middle child. Yeah. And so where did you play high school? So where did you play high soccer? School. Yeah, I went to South Cobb, South Cobb High School. Oh, okay. Um, the Eagles. <laughs> I love that. Um I played, yeah, so I played at South Cobb, and then the club team that I played at in Georgia was called Cobb FC. I think now they have, like, merged into some other club, like Southeast Academy or something like that. The whole structure has changed. But, um, yeah, played in high school at South Cobb High School, and then, like, club soccer, which is more like the travel league and whatnot, that was uh, through Cobb FC. And what position did you play? I played forward. Forward, okay. What's some of the athletes you looked up to? Growing up, yeah, I mean Ronaldo was the best, yeah. the first Ronaldo, not the current one. Um, I mean Messi's still playing, but I mean Messi, Ronaldinho, Zinedine Zidane, Cafu, like I, really the Brazilian national team <laughs> was just like iconic of you know I think anyone that was playing soccer at the time. Um, I think I also looked up to like Landon Donovan and, and Wayne Rooney. Those were like two people that as a forward I was more like a workhorse. Like I was very fast and, you know, like even if, even if the, the game is going one way or the other, it kind of like force out a goal kind of thing. Um, and I also feel like those are two players that, you know, they were good, but they also still like were putting in a lot of work and a lot of effort to always try and change the tide of the game. So I think, I mean, there are a lot, I would say definitely Zidane and Messi and Ronaldinho, but some of the other forwards as well. Now, do you always refer to the game as soccer or do you, uh, do you refer to it as football as well? So that is, I'm so happy you asked that question. Let's go. Because it's called football. Right. And when you're in America, you don't have to put the accent on it. You can still just say football. Everyone here, they say soccer versus football. But that's only in Spanish-speaking countries. Everywhere else, it's football. But, I mean, you know, I say soccer. Um, but, I mean, it, I it, like, I, I if I say football, like, I know what I'm talking about as well. Uh, but I think, uh, like, in the soccer community, sometimes we'll just say footy. Like if you want to go play soccer, you say, hey, let's go play footy. Okay. That's another one. So so I think I think here in America, because of um football, as far as like right, right, right. Yeah. American football, we say football, they automatically think one hundred percent that style of sport. So I think that's that lends to the adding football. Right. Um, so you gotta understand well, okay, you're talking about, you know, soccer. Right. They go to Sean Rob highlights at that point. 
Ah, <laughs> you got to dig for those. You got to dig for those. And so, so you end up going to the University of Pittsburgh. You went to Pitt, and that's where we met. But yeah. what went to the decision of you going to Pitt, and what other other schools were you considering? That's actually a good question. That takes me back. Um, so my decision to go to the University of Pittsburgh was like I think many other decisions I make in life. It was very simple. I knew I wanted to play soccer and I knew I wanted to be a doctor and the University of Pittsburgh got a good soccer team. They recruited me. I felt like they, you know, I would fit in there. I felt like I could help them out. And I mean, you know, the athletic department is also one of the, at the time, I don't know if I would say few, but the, the athletic department at Pitt is very good at helping their athletes on and off the field. Hence, I mean, things like Orange Arrow, which is, not, you know, it's not from Pitt, it's from you, but I think the athletic department itself does a good job of helping athletes whether it's just, you know, for your sport or if you're trying to do other things. And so I got that, I got, you know, that kind of vibe from when I visited. Um, at the time I visited, though, this is, they did not have a Chick-fil-A on campus and they did not have a Popeye's on campus when I visited Pitt's campus. And that almost broke the deal for me. I almost, I almost <laughs> did. Oh, yeah, place. Chick-fil-A was, I mean, that's that's Atlanta home right there, yeah. And that was like, you know, we would have that every day for breakfast. I'm like, how am I going to eat here? But... No, I think the University of Pittsburgh definitely sold me because the team was what I wanted, but also outside of that, I knew what I wanted to do after school. And they were a school that would help me get towards that goal and not really deter you from your goals, which can happen at some places. Um, other places, I was mainly, um, it was really between like Big East and ACC schools, um, a few like Ivy Leagues, but Ivy Leagues don't have, you know, the athletic scholarships as much, uh, but I probably like, the notable ones that I remember was Georgetown was one I was looking at. Wake Forest was one I was looking at. Yale was one I was looking at. Um, Howard I was looking at as well. Um, but I'd say, like, those are the ones that, are like, really come back to mind now. Yeah. And so you made a statement. You knew that you wanted to be a doctor. Unpack that for us. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, all, I, that's also a good question. Um, I think that was a decision made very early in life. I think that pretty much when I came to the States, I like in Jamaica, the healthcare system isn't at the time, it wasn't very robust. Um, like I remember taking caps to the hospital when I was like, I broke my chin and I like, had to get stitches and we had to hail a cab and like three or four of them passed us because they didn't want me to bleed in the car. It's yeah. just like very, it's a very different system um, in Jamaica at the time. Um, but now, like when I moved to the United States, I just remember having a very different experience. I remember going to my physician, enjoying all the visits, feeling like it was productive. I feel like they, you know, my physician really got to know me and things, problems I would have you very much, even at that time before, I think we were doing like personalized, more personalized medicine and things like that. I think that my family physician was someone that was taking into account, you know, my who I was and my lifestyle and how I was living and not just looking at like symptoms and diagnoses before treating. So I think that was something that resonated with me. I enjoyed going to the physician. Um, and then I also had teammates on my team and their parents were all like, it was mainly like three or four family family physicians. They were all in my life, like mine. And then also like two or two or three of my other teammates that had parents that were family physicians. You were in high school? Uh, more on, on the club team, on Cobb FC. Okay, yep, were, gotcha, I, played, yep. I played for Cobb like from um, age 10 until I graduated. Even oh, wow. from, like when I, even on that pit, I was still, underage like I was 17 when I came to Pitt so like that summer I still like went back and played for them um 
So, I mean, on that team, it was more, like, there were a few that were doctors, and I was like, oh, they seem to like what they do. They seem to help people. Um, so it was just something that pretty early on, I was like, this looks like a fulfilling job, and it looks like I'll help people, you know? And so I kind of made that decision early. I don't know if I probably should have explored more, but I think it seemed to work out. So <laughs> That seems like to be a wise decision to me as well. So yeah. your time at Pitt, yeah. talk about how did you balance being a student athlete and then what did you decide on your major? Uh, balance of uh, being a student athlete was, you know, I mean, I think when you say balance, you have to realize that it can te it can teether. Totally. But not really football, right? You know? Totally. So totally. Balance, was, balance was never like this. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe more managed, right? Yeah. yeah. Very much, very much managed. Um, and I think it, I think it's all about choice. Um, we we both know Penny Samai. I remember going to Penny Samai one day. Shout out to Penny. Shout out Penny. Yeah. I said, Penny, it was, I think it was like junior year. I said, man, I definitely thought about quitting so many times. But I also feel like if you didn't think about quitting, you're probably not working hard enough. And he was like, everybody that didn't quit said this. He's like, so many people have said that to me, you know? And I think that there was definitely times where I was like, I, I don't know if I should do pre-med or I don't know if I should do, um, you know, if I should continue playing soccer. Many phone calls with my parents and, you know, family and loved ones about, honestly, like calling them to quit, <laughs> right? And then they kind of talk you off the ledge. Um, which is another whole thing to say about the support that you need to like do so many things. But um, I think the managing it or the balance of it was very difficult. I think very early on, I had no idea how to manage it. Um, it was just, you know, showing up and doing whatever you could and showing up and doing whatever you could, whether that was for class or for soccer. And then I think after, you know, getting some, you know, uh, some time and some, some balance and some kind of like bearings around around Pittsburgh, around the campus. And also with the help, I think, of a lot of mentorship and people looking out for me. Um, I think that's something that came on maybe like latter end of sophomore year uh, once I started really aligning my priorities and realizing like, one, I only have two years left, <laughs> so I got to start getting into gear. Um, and two, just, you know, if you, you got to start focusing on what's important and then other things will kind of fall in place, so... I think that's where it came from, more. So we think about that time. You 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 were being candid as far as being challenging, um, the ups and downs of managing it. What yeah. advice would you give to somebody who is um, maybe interested in being a pre med? Also, you know, they want to be an athlete at the collegiate level, and because we know that particularly for uh, minority students, when yeah. when 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 growing up, minority children growing up, we want to be like. Adults love to hear people say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be, I want to be a lawyer. Right. So those are the two, the two um pathways, the career pathway people get really excited about. And you right. went through that journey. And we'll talk more about what you're doing now. But what would you say to those individuals who may be on the front end of of of, of, of that managing of I want to be a doctor, pre-med, the demands there, and I also love sports as well. I want to be an athlete. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I would I would say, I mean, the, the number one advice I give to anyone really about anything is just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I think that a lot of times you're you're never you know, there's not many times in life that you're just doing one thing. Right. Like even if you're not doing like school and, uh, and, and athletics, let's say you have a job, let's say you have family things going on. Right. 
And if there's something going on that's, you know, hindering you or, or making you kind of regroup in, let's say, if your family situation and that's really bogging you down, don't let that prevent you from taking that next step with your education. Like, keep just putting one foot in front of the other. And I think that's like the biggest thing, no matter what. <clears throat> Outside of that, I would say, I mean, right, the age old, right? If it's, you know, if it's easy, everyone would do it. But I more say that it's really hard. It's going to suck, but that shouldn't deter you. Like, I don't like the sugarcoat things, um, but I think the the value at the end, and I think really talking to people that have gone through the path, they'll let you know. There's nothing really easy about it. It's just that it's worth it. And once you make up your mind that you want it, because that's the, that, that's the hard part. You have to make up your mind that you want it. Once you make up your mind that you want it, then don't let something deter you. Just kind of keep going. And find avenues that you need to cope and find people that can support you because that's, I think, ridiculously essential. Um, but I think for people starting out, the main thing is, you know, don't let anyone put their boundaries on you. Keep going no matter what and know that it's worth it at the end. So, so you said this twice. So yeah. you said finding someone that could support you. And another yeah. way you said it was how mentors helped you during, during that period. Can you speak yeah. to the importance of uh, mentors and mentorship? Definitely. I, that, I, it, I think it's probably one of the most important things. Because let's say, let's go back to even my, I'd say I'll put support and mentorship in the same bucket in this. Yeah. And I'll go back to my situation where I'm calling home and I'm saying, hey, I want to quit either soccer or medicine because so many people <laughs> want to quit both many times. Um, but the answer that I get is no, you can do it. Keep going. You know, you have this, like it's hard, but you, you, you're capable, right? That is very different from if I were to call and someone says, you've done enough, like, why are you still pushing, you know, just kick your feet up. Like you're already, you know, you're already a division one athlete and you got a decent GPA. You can pivot and do something else. That's also very different than if I call and no one picks up, which is also very different than if I have no one to call. Right. So there's so many even just levels to having someone that you can talk to and having someone that can show you. But I think more on the mentorship side is what I was saying of seeing people like you that have done what you wanted to do and that are happy. <laughs> because if if you if they're the other way around, then you may rethink it. But I think um, you know, in terms of mentorship, I always try to have at least one person that's just successful no matter if i relate to them or not right it's like if i want to learn how to build a house i need to find someone that's built built houses for a long time and they're really good at it and it doesn't matter if we'll ever become friends but like this person's good at building houses and i think the other person you need is someone that you relate to that also builds houses that they may not be the best house builder but you like you personally connect with them so that way you all you get proficiency but you always get like perspective right but i think for mentorship that was I was very fortunate to have that at the University of Pittsburgh, both in athletics and definitely off the field. Um, a lot of my mentorship came from alumni, people in the athletic department. I mean, people like yourself, right? Like, I think w working with Orange Arrow, working with Penny, working with all the organizations that allowed us to give back to the Pittsburgh community taught me the importance of giving back, right? Like, you know, now I definitely want to you know, build something that is also giving back or make, I, I definitely try to give back to programs like yourself and program, other programs that have started that are already doing the work because that's another topic of not always having to start something. 
but I think that kind of the the essence of uh I forget who told me this, but they said that uh you know everything every every shadow that you stand under today is from a tree that was planted yesterday, right? So like I'm at the University of Pittsburgh and I love this place, but like someone helped build this place, right? And they had to leave something behind for me to benefit from it. But also, even more directly, I'm speaking with people like you. I have people like Penny. I have people, you know, like Dr. Pettigrew at the University of Pittsburgh, like Dr. Claggett, like all these doctors, like Dr. Hogan at the University of Pittsburgh, all these people that I met. And for one reason or the other, you know, probably didn't even know me that well when they met me. But they were just willing to support me. And they said, all right, whatever you need, you know, whenever you, whenever you need, whatever you need, just reach out. And those kind of people, I think, are... 100% the reason I've been able to, you know, keep going definitely in this field. And and one major reason why they said so openly reach out because of the type of person that you are just as your core, your character and how you treat others. And so that transitions to OA. So you got pre-med, you got academics, you got sports, but somehow, some way you made time to be a mentor to young athletes through Orange Arrow. So why did you get involved? And talk about just a little bit of your experience when you were rocking with OA as a uh, college student athlete. Yeah, I mean, when you came and spoke to us, I think essentially the way I understood your mission, and I, I may you know, not exactly say it as eloquently as you would, but you wanted to use athletics as a vessel to teach you know, student athletes at a younger age, even before they were at the high school, college level, at a younger age where it's more important, where it actually can take, where you really can make a difference in these people's lives, you wanted to teach them, you know, off the field culture, off the field ethics, things that are going to help you no matter what you do, no matter if you break your ankle, no matter if you trip and fall, you know, no matter if you change from want to be a lawyer to an architect, like these things are just going to help you. And for me, like, right, like you said, like, I think the way you carry yourself in any situation is going to speak volumes. And so, your message just resonated immediately. And so I was like, well, just sign me up. <laughs> there, there was really no, no, no two ways about it. Like I said, I'm very simple with my decisions. If I like it, I'm like, but let's just let's just figure out how to do it. It's not right. like if we're doing it, let's figure out how to do it. Um, and so right, you know, there are a lot of things, and I would like to have been even more involved than I was, but I think I got a very good experience with the things that I could come to and things I could do. Um, and I think just because I knew how much I benefited from people investing in me. Like, I think the opportunity to invest in somebody else was just uh, something I had to take up. Yeah, I, I was, um, I saw some old videos of videos. You had an Atlanta number. Say it again? Did you have an Atlanta number? I did, yes, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Atlanta, too. All right. Yeah, we, we did connect. I live there. Yeah, ATL, shouty. You know what I mean? Oh, folk. <laughs> Let's go. And so, but I was thinking of like you going to the hill. There's a video. You had an orange girl hoodie where it says orange mm -hmm. on the back. You have the posters going into the um, the hill district. Uh, I think yeah. it was Garfield and yeah. um, and re ready to lead a lesson. And then also being part of the dining etiquette event. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, 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 it was it was it's been really cool, man, um, to get to know you through serving a community, and shoot, we locked in forever now. Definitely, and it's obvious every everything I do and everything I I think every event that I'm able to work with you on and give back is always a pleasure. So I mean, I think that makes it easy, very easy. So talk about after Pitt. What happened after Pitt? After graduation, then what? After graduation. Well, I think you had to start kind of in senior year because I okay. think uh, being being pre-med, that's when things 
junior to senior year is when things start to get real because the application process is a one-year application process if you're going to med school, right? So if I want to start med school when I graduate, I essentially need to start the application process at the end of my junior year. So me personally not, be, not being the most, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, maybe just too busy at the time, maybe not organized enough. I trying would, to avoid procrastination, but sometimes our ah, procrastination may get to us. Yeah, that's say, for me personally. It was, it was planned. It wasn't because I, I realized pretty early, and a lot of student athletes do this that realize this is that just because of all the work you have and all like because of like you literally right, you can't take certain classes at certain times and you can't really fulfill all your education requirements because of athletics sometimes. So I I realized kind of early that I probably was gonna have to take time off. I think maybe I didn't accept it. I didn't accept it fully until later on when it got to senior year. And I said, oh, okay, well, there's no way that I can even start next year because I still have to take the MCAT and I still like need to study for that. Right. But I'm taking, you know, you know, 14, 15 credits plus it's mid season right now. I'm planning to take 18 next, you know, so it's like there was no room to just put in MCAT studying, which I think most people look at as a three to four credit class. Right. So for, you know, after school, I think you start senior year and you say, well, I'm definitely going to take these years off. Um, at the time, this is actually, senior year is also the time where in season, unfortunately, that's kind of like when I had my injury. Um, kind of put, it put me out for the season and I broke my foot during practice. But you could say on the bright side, that was also my introduction to orthopedic surgery. Because after that is when I met, you know, the team doctor at the time. Um, this is also what I met Dr. Ergang. It's also who then introduced me to Dr. Hogan and kind of like, that's when I got involved more in the orthopedic surgery realm and started getting involved with some research. So that kind of set into tone. I started doing like research and meeting with them my senior year and that, you know, the injury was kind of the introduction. Um, so I knew that I wasn't going to start medical school right after finishing undergrad. So I also knew that I needed to take the MCAT. And in terms of the application process, I think when you're applying to med school, it's kind of like five boxes or so that you definitely need to check. Um, maybe not say definitely, but that pre-med candidates try to check. You know, you try to have, you know, good GPA, good MCAT score, good volunteering, um, and also in, in, in hospital experience, whether it's volunteering or working, and also research. And at the time, because of all the other things, I I had recently just started to research. I think I did a sleep, I was part of a sleep study um, with like neurosurgery. And then I also had just recently like got involved with orthopedic surgery research. So my research experience was pretty minimal. And I also knew that I needed time to study for the MCAT. So it really for me just was about planning and how to do that. Um, I... I remember I graduated. So actually I, I finished in the summer. I took, you know, the last summer after graduation, took those classes, graduated officially in the summer, and then went home maybe after a couple of weeks. I applied for a job as a research coordinator. Um, you know, probably a month before going home. Did not know if I was gonna get it or not. It was a job here at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, so packed up all my stuff, got home probably a week later, got the call that I got the job. Um, but I said, I said I need to start in two weeks, so I said, "Well, so you were um, home, meaning back in Atlanta, back in Atlanta at the time." Gotcha. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay, well, I need to 
buy a car and go to Pittsburgh. So I did that. So I, I went out and bought my first Toyota Camry, <laughs> went, drove it up to Pittsburgh the next week. Um, I think I lived with one of my friends at the time. And then that's kind of how I started my, you know, research project at that time. Um, I did research and then kind of studied for them, kind of took them cut. And then that next year was just the application cycle. Um, stayed at the University of Pittsburgh for medical school. In terms of, you know, choosing a medical school and choosing a residency, because residency, for me now, I've been, you know, here, I did undergrad here, I did med school here, and I'm still doing uh, residency here. Um, definitely, it was kind of the plan to stay here for med school if I could, because I, I really like the medical school here. Um, it's also a great medical school. And I saw the places. So when you're going in residency, uh, the big thing is like, you know, how you match, like if you're matching into, if you're getting into the specialty that you want to get into. Um, and from everything that I'd seen, the people that were coming out of the University of Pittsburgh Medical School were pretty reliably getting to where they needed to go. So everything was indicating that this was a great medical school. And I had the support of the people I'd met in undergrad, um, which is something that I wanted to keep. So I think for me, that was definitely like the the best option. Um, you know, so I'm very, very happy it worked out. And then after that, you start thinking about residency, where to go for residency, what you want to do. Like I said, after I'd broken my foot and got introduced to orthopedic surgery, I was pretty much sold. I think I still like to validate, you know, after I make these kind of like simple decisions, I still like to make sure it's still the right decision. So I think a lot of the research and the volunteering in the hospital and like with these, with these surgeons is what solidified it for me. Cause you know, they all seem to having a good time. And I think really like time, time was flying when, when you're in the operating room and you're just like doing these procedures, it goes from 12 to 8 PM. You really don't realize it until you leave the hospital, <laughs> until you leave the hospital. So I think that was like something that I, I didn't even, I don't think before I experienced it, I knew it was possible to just like truly enjoy your work like that. Right. And so I think for me, it was, it was very much set in stone what I wanted to do um in terms of location then now it comes okay well you've been at Pitt for undergrad and med school do you want to stay for residency right and it's not a one it's not easy to stay at Pitt for residency is one of them but then two um I think for me you know a lot of people say you, you need to get different experiences and I also agree with that I don't I don't think anyone should as much as I did stay at the same institution for all of it I think if you're going to make that decision it's be very deliberate um, and for me, looking at residencies, one, I mean, the University of Pittsburgh Orthopedic Surgery Residency Program is, I mean, the best program. I mean, you can, like, you can argue rankings and stuff, but you definitely can't argue that it's at least one of the best. Um, and so it was already up there on a pedestal of if I could even get into this program, I would definitely love to be here. Um, the only thing was, do I want to stay in Pittsburgh for more time? Um, but looking at other programs, I think I met a lot of other programs that were truly, you know, trying to be like the University of Pittsburgh. So it didn't make sense to leave the University of Pittsburgh for that. Um, there were no other programs that were offering, there's different specialty experiences that you can get in orthopedics. There's really no other programs. There's some that are like it. Like, I think there's some that can be, that are equal to Pitt. But there, I, there were none that were better in terms of like what they were offering in terms of exposure. And also when you're a resident and a surgical resident, you have to get like hands-on exposure. Like you really need to, be an active part of the surgeries um and so both like the breadth of the specialties and also the active exposure in the operating room was something that Pitt had that I mean no one was really surpassing um and also that there's a tremendous diversity at Pitt that 
truly no no other program has. And I think that was something that I had become accustomed to here um, that I was definitely not going to find anywhere else. And then Quick there was question. Like, yeah, go ahead. Quick question. So we have an 11-year-old student athlete listening to this. Educate yeah. them on residency. What is it and how long is it? Res okay, so residency is basically on-the-job training. So residents are physicians that have their MD or their DO, and uh, the, a resident has now chosen their specialty that they're going to be in. So, you know, I, for me, I've chosen orthopedic surgery, so I'm an orthopedic surgery resident. The length of the residency varies based on what you're doing. So for orthopedic surgery, it can be five years or it can be six years. Um, for internal medicine, I think it can be three years or four years. For um, other surgical specialties, sometimes it's, you know, more five or six or seven. So the, the length of it depends on what you're doing and what, what field you're in. But essentially it is now that you've, you know, gone through medical school and you are certified and you've taken the step exams and, you know, gone through all things to have that, those credentials. Now you, you learn medicine, but now you need to learn how to do like your specialty. Right. So that's what residency is essentially. So what year is this for you uh, as, as it relates to the, your residency? Currently I'm in my second year. So I'm two out of five. Two out of five. Two out of five. And how are you managing it? So, <laughs> talk about time. Res oh, I another part of residency that you can talk about. Like, res residency is very busy. There's absolutely no two ways around it. You 100% know what you're, you don't know what you're signing up for. You think you know what you're signing up for, but then you get there and it's even busier. Where you're like, well, I guess I signed up for it. it but it's very, very busy, but it is very, like, the amount of things that I probably learned in one single day, just seeing certain seeing certain things over and over again, preparing for surgeries, like, you know, for us, we're like uh, orthopedic surgeries more times a consult service. So something will either something will come in the operating uh, the uh, emergency department um, or, you know, a patient will be on another service like a medicine service and they have an orthopedic injury, orthopedics being the bones, right? So they have a you know, injury dealing with their bones and they need someone to come and look at it, you know, that's when we get involved. So I think the learning, like you're very busy, but the learning process from all the things that you see is kind of the essence of residency, right? So that by time you have gone through your, your, you know, three to five to six, seven years of however long your residency is, you're coming out as an attending that's saying, well, I've seen this, you know, 20, 30, 40, hundred times, this is not something that fazes me. I really just, you know, I see it and I have a plan. I know how to react to it. So I think, yeah, that's kind of the essence of residence. On the job training, it's very busy, but it's it's very, very good learning experience. And, and so before we wrap, before we wrap up, I would love for you to speak to because you talked about this a little bit earlier. You saw in your childhood to talk about the importance of a relationship between patient and physician. Oh yeah, I mean it's essential. I think uh, if most patients, I think they've done studies. If you ask them what they care about in their physician, is being able to trust them, and then I, mean, I think aptitude, like their knowledge, is like second or third. Um, but I think it, it's essentially like what the relationship is based on, right? If I meet you, I walk in the room haphazardly, I look like I don't want to be there, and then I tell you something that it may be correct, it may be absolutely one hundred percent correct. But then I present it in a way that you don't really care for and also don't take take time to explain it. 
probably at least you're going to get a second opinion here <laughs> and say, well, I don't think, you know, that this guy's really taking everything into consideration and that may, you know, deter like your healthcare. But if you are someone that's, you know, there's, there's so many different dynamics to it. You have to know one, know what you're doing, but also know how to present the information. But I think is if you take time to, you know, treat the patient with respect and have good bedside manner and explain things and ask if people have questions, usually things are well-received. Um, and I think that's just very essential because, I mean, on the patient side and on the physician side, I think that's something that builds a lot of trust, um, you know. And so, as you know, the mission of Orange Arrow is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. You truly embody what it means to be more than an athlete. Why is it important for an athlete to be successful outside of sport? I think because when you are successful outside of your, well, I think what I'd even rephrase from being definitely successful to at least try striving for success outside of your sport. And I think one, because you can't let your sport define you. I think no matter who you are, no matter how long you played, no matter how great you are at anything that you've done, every single athlete I've seen them say like, you know, the sport is, is secondary to life. You play as long as you can, but life always continues after and it is a more important arena than, you know, wherever you were playing your sport. So I think that's that's the biggest thing is that you have to be able to navigate when the sport is done and you have to be able to have, I think, self-awareness, self-confidence and also a self-identity outside of your sport. Because, um, you know, people that don't have, I think a lot of people look for that if they don't have it, but I think it's important to really strive for success outside of your sport um, because it, one, gives you something that is your own identity, and two, I mean, also makes you better in your sport, I think, so. Dig it, dig it. Dr. Chu, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for who you are, man. I appreciate you, boss. Looking forward to connecting connect here in the near future. Thank you. I got it. Yeah. H2P, let's go. H2P.